Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi, this is Inside Alberta, our podcast. Uh, we haven't been here for a while, but we are back. And this time it's more like inside Calgary City Council, inside the new rink, inside what's happening in this town now that we actually have an arena deal. And I'm here with Megan Pockins, our wonderful City Hall reporter, who in all my experience of that benighted place is one of the very best people we've ever had down there. And Megan, how did you see what happened yesterday? We saw this uh, uh, remarkable near unity, an 11 to 4 vote in favor of the arena deal, which of course is very controversial, lots of people against it, and yet 11 of them got up there and said firmly and enthusiastically and, and with a certain amount of crazy joy, I thought, approving something for Calgary. Uh, how did you read that whole thing and how do you feel about the way it came down? It was remarkable, uh, although, you know, I think the, the, the proponents of this deal had hoped for 12 to 3. We saw 11 to 4. There was yeah. at least one surprising vote, I think, in that mix. Which was that? I would say Councillor Chahal. He is, mm. uh, George Chahal is known as a, one of the jocks on council, to, yeah. for, for lack of a better word. He's, he's a big fan of amateur sports. He was an Olympic supporter. Mm-hmm. I think people were surprised to see him vote against this deal. Um, but the other, the other votes were uh, we, against, I think we expected. I think we mm-hmm. expected uh, Councillor Woolley was going to vote against. Mm-hmm. Councillor Farkas voted against. Councillor Farrell they're all people who've been on the record before as having reservations about the deal. But yes, overwhelmingly, this was a, a sizable majority that included the mayor, notably, uh, in favor of the deal. Well, when the, the mayor's approval, it's almost like if you think back to the Olympic bid, mm-hmm. the province never really approved. I, I, that was never going to work as long as the, the one of the big players was never really on side. And it's the same with uh, with a, a pure city thing. The, the mayor has got to be willing to lead this thing or it's probably not going to happen. So once he said, yeah, he was on side, thought it was a great deal for Calgary. And then oddly enough, he starts saying, well, it's not that great a deal and started kind of criticizing media people for being too enthusiastic about the deal. I thought, well, that's pretty weird. He's trying to cover off a lot of bases there on the support side. But yeah, I, but I was after having seen the dysfunction on this council, after having seen the, the terrible mess they created with the tax, uh, the, the property tax thing. Uh, it was good, I think, really good for the city to see that they can come together, even though a lot of people don't like the decision. At least there is one. At least there are council that can move in a direction, right? And I think they learned a lot from past failures of the Olympics and particularly the tax business. Well, I think that's right. I think uh, you were telling me you'd spoken to Ward Sutherland, wasn't it? And he said that there was a chastening experience from the tax crisis. 
um, a sense that dragging this out would be dangerous. Um, I think it's interesting you mentioned the mayor um, maybe not sounding the same way as the other proponents of this project. He was he was on board with it, but he was a supporter apart from the others. Mm-hmm. And he was never at the front of this parade. Um, we saw Councillor Davison really take this project on. He led the political push for this. Sometimes he was leading the push, period, because as we saw, the flames took the back seat on this. Oh, yeah. This, the job of selling this proposal fell to the council, the members on council who were in favor of it. And they seemed happy to embrace that role. Councillor Davison um, believes that that arena will galvanize uh, development in the East Village and Victoria Park. Um, the mayor, I think the, what you saw him doing, he's, he's an egghead, he'll, he'll admit it. And he knows all the economic studies that caution against um, these seeing these facilities as 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 just a miracle solution to uh, areas that that require development or cities that need a boost, and he cannot abandon those concerns. And every time he gets in front of a microphone, he always emphasizes the social return on this, and he minimizes some of the economic projections on this. And that's simply, I think, you know, his academic side talking. He cannot. Um, he cannot do the kind of sales job that some other counselors will yeah. do on it because he's because of his principles. Um, but that said, this time he was very much championing championing it every time he was in front of a microphone. I thought the flames were always fascinating because if we go back to 2017, they or 16, 15, it was for the Calgary Next, right? That's when it first popped up. Mm-hmm. And and they did a big rollout. They did a rollout on the Stampede Grounds where they did uh, all, all this stuff, showed us all the plans, all the schematics. They, they went, they appeared before council, um, and they really tried to push that thing and sell it. And and you know what happens? It's kind of crazy. People like their hockey, and they, they don't really dislike the flame zoners. But as soon as they pop up, you get this incredibly negative anti Cabillionaire reaction from so many people, and and the the flames learned a, a, some really chastening lessons. The West Village thing was not the city hall's taste, obviously. For I think for good reason. Um, and and uh, then they come to 2017 and the big fight over whose offer was what and Ken King coming out against Nancy. That was a disaster because the flames looked like they were right in the middle of the election campaign, which in a way they were. Uh, so they this time it was just lay low, just do the deal, we're a partner, we're just sort of like municipal lands. We're not really high profile, right? They're one of the other people who are heavily involved. We're just just in there, but not talking. I thought they handled it extremely well. Now, they could have gone before council yesterday, couldn't they, Megan? They, if they wanted to, they could have put themselves up there, but there was no way that was going to happen. No, yeah, we haven't seen the Flames making a, a show in front of council. And it, it's interesting because we saw that in Edmonton. We saw Kate's. Yeah. We, even, we even saw Oilers players down at City Hall um, in the Edmonton deal. And this, and in Calgary, they were they weren't even in the room during the vote, as far as we know. There might have been yeah. there might have been some some uh, uh, some 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 lower profile members of that this of CSIC that were there, um, but they weren't making a big show. They weren't you know looming in the corner kind of thing. It was councils. It was councils conversation to get through without without any kind of you know um, uh, flames presence. The the most of the conversations we saw at council uh, were the city's negotiating team explaining what was yeah. in this deal, and it's important too that the city went and ma- they, 
The proponents of the deal on council made sure that the city's negotiating team included some outside people, some neutral characters. It wasn't just the city manager, although the city manager was part of this. It was led by Barry Monroe. Um, I think I think he's uh, he's a senior person for Ernst and Young. You saw Calgary Municipal Land Corporation playing a big role. There, they know how to speak to the business yeah. community and to get them on side, mm-hmm. even though they're doing these projects oftentimes with city money, they are speaking the language of developers and business. And that was really important, I think, that you had non-political people yeah. so heavily involved in kind of midwifing this whole it thing. It was handled strategically very uh, very interesting. And um, and the, the key thing here was that thing in the three-party agreement that said you had to vote on Tuesday. Uh, and, you know, that, that was essential because we've seen what happened with the city council when something runs out and gets away from them. And we know what happens when you get a really strong opposition to any kind of project like this and the people who are against get time to start organizing and start swarming social media and all the rest of it. I, my own feeling was if they had not approved it yesterday, first of all, I guess, and I think I asked you this question in a text message yesterday, is the deal dead if if they don't vote, yes, didn't vote yesterday? And the answer to that was clearly yes. The Flames could have come out and said, well, we're, we're done here. Um, and they might well, well have done that. So you really had council kind of pushed into a corner, but I felt uh, that they didn't really mind it. They, they were glad to get it done. There might have been a perception that this that they they needed to that there there were elements of this deal that were vastly superior than what they had seen before and um that they needed to do something this time um because at the at the risk of looking like the like uh, they weren't unable to get uh some kind of agreement reached for a third time would have been really disastrous i think um that said there's a lot of concern about how short this period was. Now, you'll hear Davison and other members of council who are who are in favor of this deal say, you know, we were talking about this for months, but truly, it was eight days since the the real details, the meat, the meat of the deal was made public, uh, that, that eight days until they voted. Mm-hmm. And yes, as you said, this was agreed upon, um, it appears, by all parties in this. That said, I think it's fair to point out this would be considered an incredibly short period of engagement for any kind of uh, large city investment. Um, it's certainly it's it's interesting. I was I was talking to colleagues down down at the hall. You had the Olympics where you saw public engagement for weeks with no details. Here, tiny amount of public engagement with all the details. Really, that I think people needed to make up their mind. Um, it, There was, I think, good disclosure of the key elements of this deal. Calgarians um, certainly responded. We saw what, from my understanding, exceptional amounts of feedback going to city council. Something like, you know, 5,200 different submissions to the clerk's office. And one thing that was pointed out to me is these weren't form letters, which you often see uh, in in when communities organize against a development, for instance. Mm -hmm. These were people responding substantively with their feelings. And that's just the ones that went to the clerk's well, office. so there was an eight-day period that actually did draw a tremendous amount of feedback and, and input. And, and I guess I'm a little skeptical about all the criticism because we've seen where engagement upon engagement or con- consultation upon court decision leads with things like the pipeline. And I think uh, to a just a, a much larger issue, a lot of people are getting the idea that, that 
people uh, can can be the government in the middle of a term when in fact it's the government's responsibility to make the decision. I am glad they made it. But let's let's go on to talk a bit mm-hmm. about what happens next because that's the real question. We've got this uh, agreement much more detailed to be worked out and negotiated. There still has to be a formal agreement. Now you told me something interesting before. I was wondering if when they reach that formal detailed solid book that'll be that thick uh, is it, um, does council have to vote on that or is that just, the, it's now approved and then the, that will be the deal or does council get a chance to go at that? That would worry me if they did. I believe that uh, I'm confident there won't be another vote. I think this was the vote. Mm-hmm. I think that at least partly because any subsequent vote would be considered probably a reconsideration, uh, which requires a two-thirds majority. My guess is that this stands because the deal, the the the, the letters of an, of intent, um, the broad strokes of this deal are agreed to by all these parties. At this point, we're talking about legalese, small elements of the deal that still need to be nailed down. Uh, I think there's they're they're trying to figure out what kind of stewardship organization similar to the Saddledome Foundation that might be overseeing. Mm-hmm. Um, the new arena. Um, there's different. There's different little elements of this, but I think they are on the same page. And I don't think that you know there's any need uh, or any or any likelihood that anything more will come back to council. Well, for you approval. know, it's interesting. We ended up with this after all this time in a much cleaner process than Edmonton had at the end, and it's it's a, it's uh, done much more smoothly. But let's what happens now? We got we haven't seen any plans, of course, and all this work has to begin. Can you give us a little timeline on what happens as far as getting the thing built? What's what happens first? When do they start building? When do they expect to complete it? They could begin building as early as 2020, although I've I've seen 2021 as well as a possibility for shovels in the ground. Really? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. we know we know that um, CMLC Calgary Municipal Land Corporation is actually going to lead the design and construction of this. They're going to they're good project managers. They've proven yeah. themselves before in the East Village. They are managing this project. This will be the big public engagement um, that I think a lot of people wanted. Um, yes, the, but what not? But whether we do it, but but what it is? Yes, and how the public is involved and what kind of a public, quasi-public building it is. Mm-hmm. And this is where, yeah. um, you know, the the, the the folks on council who have been insisting on calling this an event center, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll see, the proof will be in the pudding. How different will this building be from your average uh, NHL rink across yeah. the country? And they tend to be, I've heard, I've heard um, for instance, the saddle don't described as a spaceship, mm-hmm. as in it's just this thing that plunks down in the middle of a sea of parking yeah. lots. They are trying to do something different with this. They want it to have good relationship to the street. I'm gonna use some planning terms on you here. You know, good um, porousness to the street. Street. The idea that you see people in it, they don't disappear into it and, you, and the building looks dead from the outside. It, it should look alive, it should look active. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of uses, what kind of different things that might go on in this building besides just concession retail. Um, There was a promise that we're gonna see very different things, not just hockey there. There could be gallery space in there, we don't know. Um, And those kinds of questions will have to be answered in the coming weeks as uh, CMLC goes to the public and says, what is it you're expecting out of this? Are we gonna see plans for a Jurassic Park-like environment outside, which I think they want. I think they want 
forget the Red Mile. They want a place that is the natural home for these big civic right. moments of sport pride to occur. And you know, just could I just interject, you know, you say forget the Red Mile. A lot of people on the Red Mile are afraid they will be forgotten. In fact, I had a note from a business guy saying, what what's this mean for all the existing restaurants along 17th Avenue? I think it means that the, the uh, 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 eastern end of 17th Avenue is going to be much more developed. Some of the stuff farther, a little farther west is probably going to uh, lose out. Uh, Megan, the other issue is land. Uh, for It was a big issue for some councillors because there are two possible land options for the flames to purchase of city land. Uh, personally, I think it's a good thing that they're willing to do this and they really want to develop land because that's the whole idea of the Rivers District is to attract investment. Not the easiest thing in downtown Calgary these days. Uh, but it's nonetheless controversial because they will get a special land on two major blocks of very desirable land in this context. What do you think of that? I think that you're going to see there's there is concern on council about this and I think that's because uh, there was concern that there wasn't good valuations of these two properties you know the land that Enoch sales house formerly sat on uh, I think which you know rough estimates that we were provided was 15 million dollars for that one uh, there was another and there's another option for a, a far more interesting parcel which is where the Victoria Park bus barns currently sit this is Riverside adjacent to the elbow um, really it's been described before as a jewel of that area. It had so much potential. I know there were big schemes for it during the Olympic bid, um, and now the Flames will have the option to develop it within the next 10 years. And the councillors that were concerned about this chiefly said that we didn't account for the opportunity cost lost to the city um, uh, in in giving the Flames these options and not putting them out to market. Uh, there was also concerns that valuations and appraisals weren't appropriately fact haven't been appropriately completed on these things. Um, these were sweeteners in many ways, and I think that the people that are concerned about them feel that they are too sweet. They, these are two well, yeah. giveaways. It may, and, but, but there's the other side of it is that I don't think people really understand how determined the flames have always been to be developers as well as as tenants and Pocky and all that. They wanted, they that's part of the deal for them. And if they had not gotten uh, this, I don't think there would have been a deal. Another thing that happened in Calgary this week that's really caught my attention is scooters. Scooters <laughs> on the sidewalks. Scooters on the sidewalks that go 20 kilometers an hour is insanely dangerous. I've already almost been run over once. And um, but they're just this huge sudden hit. Like on the weekend, apparently you couldn't even find one because they were all taken up by you know, people who are renting them from Lime and Bird, these two companies. What do you think? We're of a somewhat different generation here, Megan, so tell me what you think about powered scooters in Calgary. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reserving my judgment till I get a chance to get on one of these things, and I fully intend to go on one of them. You're right, they are everywhere. Yeah. They, I know that each of those companies has about a thousand of them that yeah. they're allowed to put out on the street. Um, and they do seem to be in, immensely popular, and they are not... I think the problem is people aren't following the rules, right? Yeah. They're riding them. They're not supposed to be ridden on the street. They're actually supposed to be ridden on the sidewalk. Um, That's the crazy part. They're supposed they're to just... be, well, and, and they're supposed to be riding one at a time. They're supposed yeah. to be over 18. I've seen every one of these rules flouted. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't. They look fun, though, to me, Don. Well, they, they look fun to me, too. But when you take one for a ride, you're not riding with me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's Inside Alberta for this week. Thanks, Megan. Thank you.